Yeah, this is the best one I got. Uh, now, I have an advantage your pastor doesn't have. He has to preach here Sunday in and Sunday out. Uh, and that's hard work. I did that for 20 years at one church. That is really, really hard work. I can just come up with two or three sermons a year. And I can preach them over and over again. He can't do that. So let me just say to you, you have a great pastor. You have a pastor who loves you, and he loves the Word of God. And that's demonstrated through how he proclaims the Word of God. I've heard him preach many times here as I've come to work with your leadership team and so forth. So, again, you are blessed. Uh, so don't compare this to him. This is the only best one I got. Uh, and so I just overuse it. You know, I used to work at the uh, orange processing plant down no yeah 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 uh, so first of all i want to say thank you thank you for your partnership in the gospel with the colorado baptist convention uh, i get to do this because of your giving uh, to the convention i get to work with churches all over the front range of colorado to help them take a next step of proclaiming the gospel effectively in their particular context you know all of our churches are different right and that's great that's the way it ought to be so how can this church be what God needs it to be in, in 2021, post-COVID, et cetera, right? So that's my part of my privilege is to come alongside of you and help you discover and discern whatever that is. I am honored to share with you, share with you from God's word this morning. Hopefully you have an outline that was passed out earlier. Uh, I'm kind of a teacher at heart, so that's kind of how I'm functioning. Um, but let me show you a couple of pictures. My sermon time hasn't started yet. I'll let you know when it starts. Uh, let me show you this first picture. Jamie, if you could pull that up. That's my family. I want you to get to know my family a little bit. I'm right there in the middle. My wife, Carol, is staying in front of me. She's a nurse at Memorial Central in Colorado Springs. Uh, she works with mother baby. Uh, so when the babies are born, the doctor hands her the baby, and she has to make sure everything's working the right way. Uh, she's been doing that for well over 20 years now, looking at maybe retiring next year. Uh, we've been married uh, 43 years uh, this last week. So it's been a, a challenge for her to be married to me. Uh, on your right is my daughter, Trisha, and her husband, Luke. Uh, Luke and Trisha Barfield. Uh, they, Trisha runs a gymnastics center in Colorado Springs. Has over 1,000 kids coming through there now. Pre-COVID, it was 700. Now it's 1,000. Why do you think that is? Get out of my house, right? A place to send your kids. Uh, and then Luke just bought a restaurant last year during COVID. And it's working. I mean, they, they're incredible. Um, Trisha was our oldest child, the typical compliant she also, child. She also was a competitive gymnast. Luke graduated from the Air Force Academy served our country and got out a number of years ago to start this gymnastics business. Their daughter, Sydney, is on the left. She's uh, 13, going on 14. Uh, and then their daughter, the other daughter standing in front of Trisha, the little blonde, uh, that's Alexi, uh, and she's 12. And then my other daughter is on the left side, Ashley, with the long blonde hair, and her husband, Adam. Adam's holding the little one. And their other little one is standing in front of Granny. Ashley is a neonatal nurse practitioner at Children's Hospital in Colorado Springs. Uh, she also was the strong-willed child. We prayed 
that God would give her one of hers. And our prayers were answered. Ashley, uh, we read James Dobson's book, The Strong-Willed Child. It did no good. Now, it was a hardback and appropriately placed. It was helpful. She was the one that would look in the mirror and say, that didn't make me cry. She's the one that came up to mom and said, change me. And Carol took care of that. So her, her, uh, her husband, Adam, is a part of a construction business. In fact, they helped build our home last year. He was our general contractor. Uh, their daughter, uh, Addie, is standing in the front with her finger in her mouth. Uh, she's an incredibly intelligent child. The other day, Carol was watching them at our house. I was in Alpharetta, Georgia. I'm, an, I'm a trustee with the North American Mission Board. So if you have issues with the North American Mission Board, talk to me. I'm representing Colorado. Talk to me, and I'll communicate that with the, the powers that be. But Addie heard thunder. She goes, I think a storm is approaching. She's five. Her English is better than mine. And then the one that they're holding, Austin. She's our answer to prayer. She's an incredibly strong little child. In fact, Ashley has come to us and go, how did you deal with me? I need some help here. And we just laugh. <laughs> Don't give her any. <laughs> Nobody helped us. <laughs> but I'm the cool papa. You know, I wish I could have gone from being a husband to a grandpa. That dad part was hard work. Being a grandpa is a piece of cake, man. You let them do whatever they want to do, right? So I just wanted you to introduce my family, get to know me a little bit. And then here's our newest addition to our family. That's Sergeant. He's a three-month-old golden retriever. And it's a good thing he's cheap. I'm just saying. Uh, he's, he's actually a very smart dog. Uh, he's my wife's dog. Can you tell? Anyway, just wanted to introduce myself. Now the sermon type starts. Sermon time starts. So start your watch. Okay. As I have grown as a Christ follower, my faith has become more simple. And the simpler my faith gets, the more important and profound the little words become. Have you noticed that? And I want to share with you just two words this morning. Two words that are the greatest compliment you could ever receive and the greatest promise you could ever make to anyone. Many of us have experienced these two words in our life when we've gone through difficult times. I know I have when we've had loss in our family and challenges in our lives. When somebody would simply say, I will be there. That's the two words, be there. We need to demonstrate how to be there, not just with each other, but with people all around us in our spheres of influence. So say that with me this morning. Be there. Say it again. Be there. It's the greatest compliment. Thanks for being there. Greatest promise. I promise to be there. In fact, if you were to define the essence of the Christian life, the essence of the Christian life is the incarnation. Somebody define that for me. What's the incarnation? God became man, dwelt among us, right? John chapter 1. Well, God said, I will be there. That's what he did. Jesus came in human flesh to be where we are. Those two words may be the best definition of the incarnation. And they describe the essence of the greatest event in all of human history when Jesus Christ left heaven, came to this earth, died on the cross, arose from the dead, he would, he would be there with us. 
John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God, and it dwelt among us in verse 14. Great commission, I promise to be there. I will be with you. In Hebrews 13, it says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. I will be there. Now, the word be implies an understanding of character. You can write that in your outline. Implies an understanding of character. There implies an understanding of context. So when you put character and context together, you've got the essence of what it means to be a Christ follower in 2021 in Pueblo, Colorado. And all God's people said, no, this morning, all God's people said, be there. Be there, Bob. Come on, be there. So we're going to look at B, the character, that's the inside out, and the there, the context, the outside in. What happens when these two things come together, when they become one? Well, it's kind of like the fall of the year, what happens to our aspen trees in Colorado. People come to see the leaves change from all over the country. During the news broadcast, they tell you when's the best time to go and where to go to see these aspen trees. Oftentimes, we do tend to make fun of flatlanders, but we need their, 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 their money, so we kind of put up with them. Mountain towns and resorts, the people serve them, pour their coffee, smile. But when mountain folks get away from them, their true perspective comes out. I remember I was up in Woodland Park, and I saw this pickup truck, old beat-up mountain pickup truck, and there was a bumper sticker that said, if it's tourist season, why can't we shoot them? <laughs> Just saying. But another thing that mountain folks think is really humorous is that people come to see something that doesn't really take place. You see, these mountain folks, they know nature. They know it's imprecise and incorrect to say the leaves are changing color. That's not what happens. In the fall of the year, the days get short and the trees pump out less and less of what? Chlorophyll. They pump out less and less of chlorophyll. So what you really see in the fall of the year are the true colors. The emergence of the true colors, not necessarily changing colors, but the true colors coming out. Those glistening gold, golds. That's the true colors coming out. So character, you can fill out the outline, character is knowing what your true colors are. That's what it is. That's what character is. Or is there so much chlorophyll in your life that it's holding back your true colors? You know, busyness, circumstances, people-pleasing, all those things conceal the true colors that Christ has put in us. You and I are called of God to know who we really are, to be who God made us to be. And that's part of the character issue. Do we really know who we are? Are you the person that God made you to be? Did you know you are one of a kind? Someone once said, you're one in a million. No, that means there's 7,000 like you. You're one in 7 billion. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to spend most of our time in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Is this the ESV or NIV? I'm going to be reading from the NIV, so it's okay. All right, it doesn't matter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So from now on, because of that, regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you don't do what God wants you to do, you will not become who God created you to be. Most of us spend most of our lives trying not to be who we are. And yet God created us exactly as we are. In Psalms 139, it says he, he knit us in our, and, and knows our innermost being. From the time we were uh, consummated, God knew us. Each of you in this room is an original. Even a twin, you're a little bit different. We're a one of a kind. In fact, you're a character. You have character, and you're a character. So the next time someone says you're a character, they didn't dish you. They gave you a compliment. But my question to all of us this morning is, do we have the courage to be a classic? I have a 66 Ford truck. I should have showed that picture. It's a classic. But look at verse 17 of the passage we just read. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a classic. He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creation. I'm a new creation. Are we wearing our face? Are we showing our true colors? Now, what should our face look like? Well, hopefully it looks like the face of Jesus. The more you look into the face of Jesus, the more you take on his character. And the more you will then look different from other people. And the more you will look like his image. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Does your, reflect, your face reflect the Lord's glory? And being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are to reflect the face of Jesus to people around us. When you take on Christ's character, it actually makes us free to be the character God made us to be. So be. We need to be a Christ follower, and we need to wear our true colors. So, what should the character of a Christ follower be? A number of years ago, Leonard Sweet said this. He said, we need to be nuts for Jesus. And he used the word nuts as an acrostic, right? N-U-T-S. Never underestimate the spirit. Never. Un so we need to be nuts, Christ followers. Never underestimate the spirit. I'm a nut, Christ follower. I'm here to drive you nuts. In other words, we need to quit being normal. Does this sound normal? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Is that normal? Not, not in this world it isn't. That should be to us. And love your neighbor as yourself? That's not normal in this world. So folks, we're abnormal. God has called us to be abnormal because the normal is everything else out there. We're to be nuts Christ followers. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We're a new creation, verse 18. 
All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Is that normal? No, not in this world. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. There's nothing normal in our culture about that. But God has called you and I as his Christ followers, as his children, to be abnormal, to be nuts for Jesus. What I just read does not sound normal. So I want to suggest to you this morning that Jesus came to make us abnormal. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing the church in Ephesus. What does this sound like? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be full, filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Does that sound normal in our world today? How about Philippians chapter 2? If you having any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, they make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Does that sound normal? In other words, get your eyes off yourself. Verse 11 in Philippians chapter 2, he says, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear brothers, because of that, as you've always obeyed not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, etc., etc. Is that normal? Not in our culture, it's not. So, folks, we're supposed to be abnormal. We're supposed to be nuts. Say, now, wait a minute, Bill. Where does it say that in Scripture? I'm so glad you asked. In uh, 1 Corinthians, if we, if we go to the 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Here's what Paul wrote. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Chapter 3, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians. Do not deceive yourselves if any one of you thinks he's wise by the standard of this age. He should become a fool so that he may become wise. In both those passages, there's a word there. It's the word fool. He says we're supposed to become fools, and we're supposed to become foolish. The Greek word that's interpreted fool is the Greek word moros. What English word do you think we get from that? Moron. Nuts sound kind of tame to me, Bob compared to what I just read. I don't know about you. Ron and I were talking for the service. I am crazy in love with God. Because he's crazy in love with me. He pursued me when I was, had no interest whatsoever in him. He pursued me and he extended his unconditional love to me. Because I have a crazy God 
he's crazy in love with you. And he's in love with you. A family was leaving church one Sunday, and their little daughter in the back of the seat was singing this song. Greg, maybe you should try this one. Crazy, the Lord. And the dad said, where did you learn that? She said, in Sunday school. He said, well, sing the whole song. So she said, hallelujah, 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 crazy, the Lord. I kind of like that version. Because we have a crazy God who's crazy in love with us. And he's crazy in love with me to call me into ministry. That was not my plan for my life. Every time before I get up to preach, I remind God of that, like he needs reminding, right? God, you, you did this. This was not my plan. So if we're to be crazy in love with Jesus and we're to be nuts for Jesus, then that, what, how do we define the church? As a nut house. It's a nut house. Never underestimate the spirit. Now hear me. We're mixed nuts. We're mixed nuts. Okay? We need all kinds. We need almonds, and we need cashews, and we need all different kinds, right? But it's not deluxe mixed nuts. Why? What's the difference? No, deluxe mixed nuts don't have peanuts. I'm a goober for God. Don't take me out of the mixture. We need to be a bunch of folks that are different but focused on the same calling God has given us. Uh, I guess I'm a goober for God, Bob. I don't know. We need to be what God has called us to be. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're a new creation. Old is gone. The old is gone. The old is gone. The old is gone. The new has come. In verse 20, the last part says, Be reconciled to God. We are reconciled to God because of everything Christ did for us. So we need to understand and imply character, the character he has given us, and reflect his face as we demonstrate the face God has given us to be who he wants us to be. Are you wearing your face? Second question, do you know your place? Do you understand the context, the there that is there? See, that oftentimes is the real problem. Where is the there? In here? Or out there? It's out there. It's the world. Verse 18. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Who needs the message of reconciliation? <coughs> Who needs that? People out there. The people out there need it. We are called to that ministry. That's not just for your pastor to do. That's just not for a deacon to do. That's not just for the pastor's wife to do. All of us in this room are called to be out there. Jesus said in Matthew 5, we're to be the light of the world, not the light of the church. We're to go into all the world, the Bible says. 80% of the churches in America are declining or dying. 80%. 19% of the churches are growing as a result of shopping and hopping. You know what that is, right? 
Christian shopping around, see who's got the coolest church or whatever, and they hop over and join. Only 1% of the churches in America are growing by reaching normal people. Remember, we're abnormal. We're the nuts. By reaching normal people. We're in the midst of a their crisis. We're in the midst of a their crisis. We're not coming to terms with the there that is there. Now, we're called to be in our context. It doesn't mean we have to like it. It does mean we need to love our context. Many people love Jesus, but they don't love what Jesus loved. You know what Jesus loved? He loved theirs. He spent 90% of his time there. He loved normal people. And because of the distrust of political family and church leaders, and because of personal preference and philosophical freedom and relativism, it's hard to engage the there that is there. In fact, there's a new train of thought called Christian moralistic therapeutic deism. I have no idea what that means, even though I actually have the definition. I still don't know what it means. You and I, all of us in this room, we have a special delivery to make. We have a delivery that will actually deliver people from the bondage of sin and bring them freedom. Why aren't we getting that special delivery there? Now, folks, I don't agree with a lot of the values in our culture. I don't. You probably don't either. I don't like that the films influence my children and grandchildren more than books. I don't like it that postmodern people are more outraged by the slaughter of animals than their own kind. I don't like that. But in spite of that, in spite of our culture, in spite of postmodernism, in spite of relativism, in spite of humanism, the Bible says we're supposed to be there. Not just here, but there. When we leave this building, we are missionaries sent out to our context and our sphere of influence. Now, folks, I must admit, I'm poorly prepared for the there that is there. Verse 20 of our passage. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ that be reconciled to God. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador in a different country? Yeah, they represent the American government, but they also do what? If you were to go to Japan to the Tokyo Olympics as an ambassador of the United States, what's one of the most, the first thing you would try to do? Learn the culture. Because you don't want to have the president come and mess it all up. You're his spokesperson. We are ambassadors of Christ. We need to know the there that is there. Even if we don't like it, we need to understand it. We need to not just exegete Scripture. The word exegete simply means critical analysis interpretation. That's all it means. We need to exegete culture. We need to exegete the there that is there. I have this box up here. <clears throat> it's an old box. When I became the area missionary for the Paisuit Baptist Association and became your missionary, I had to pack up an office of 21 years. I'd been in the same office for 21 years. So I'm packing up all these books, all these books, thousands of volumes of books. And I come across this box. And the moment I found this box, I was no longer a mover. I became an archaeologist. 
In this box are my seminary and college files, which was there in the 70s. Okay? I came out with carbon paper. Remember carbon paper? Yeah? I came out with my Greek flashcards that they do electronically now. I came out with onion skin typing paper that has carbon smudges on it. Onion skin typing paper. And, and then I also found some, remember that typewriter correct-it tape that you put on and you had to type the same letter that was the mistake? Well, it crumbled. But I still had whiteout. Whiteout and mimeograph test. You can. Still smells. This is actually my file from those days. Now, I learned a lot. There's a lot in this file that I learned. And I, I gained a lot of knowledge and, and wisdom and information from this file. And I thank God for it. Because the truth in this file has not changed. It hasn't changed. My systematic theology hasn't changed. My study of the Old Testament, New Testament hasn't. None of that's changed. But how I deliver this, I don't deliver it this way anymore. Do we? No. So that's close. Not the truth, but how it's delivered needs to change because the there that is there is no longer in the box. Right? No longer in the box. We were talking about surgery before the service and how they're coming up with so many new ways of doing surgery and procedures and treatments and uh, how they're dealing with cancer treatments different than they did even just 11 years ago. It's phenomenal what they're doing. These items are in my civilization. <laughs> this is how I was trained. This is how I learned. This is how I studied. I'm a product of that box. I was trained in that context. I was trained to think in box categories. I was trained to do ministry in that box culture. The problem is we got to get out of the box because the ministry out there is so different. Even the ministry in here is so different. We need to be in the there that's actually there. So flip your outlines over. Let me give you three principles that I want to challenge us to apply as we prepare to leave today. Number one, be in touch with our culture. The Bible says we're supposed to be ambassadors. Folks, that's not a suggestion. That's not multiple choice. You're an ambassador. God has called you to be an ambassador. We have to understand the culture we live in, whether we like it or not. That's why we must no longer carpe diem. What's carpe diem mean? Seize the day. We need to carpe manana. I know I'm mixing languages. I know. But we need to seize tomorrow. I don't know the Latin word for tomorrow. We need to seize tomorrow because we find ourselves in a totally new culture. Think of the last 18 months, for crying out loud. And not only that, but my kids and my grandkids, their brains are wired differently than mine. Anybody want to testify to that? 
right? Technology wires your brain differently. My brain was wired BC, before computers. My kids' brains are wired AC, after computers. Or you could do before COVID, <laughs> after COVID, right? No, but somebody came up and said, no, really, Bill, that should be a, uh, that you should be BA, before apps. And AA are after apps. But how many of us use apps today, right? The culture is different. And my brain, though, was wired in a print, linear, logical, rational, sequential culture. But I'm living in a totally different culture today. And if I'm supposed to be an ambassador for Christ in this context, in the there that's there, then I need to figure it out and adapt to it. Some of my words don't even work out there. I used to tell people, I grew, I grew up in a nuts and bolts world. I've even said, that person, they've got a screw loose. You all understand that? My daughters looked at me and went, what? What are you talking about? So I explained it to them. You know what they said? Oh, they got a bad chip. It's the same idea. It's just expressed in a different way, right? So the there is the context. Be a lifelong learner. Be a reflection of Christ in a there that's theirs. Be in touch with the culture. Number two, we have to be in tune with the Spirit. <coughs> Verse 17. The new has come. The old is gone. Verse 20. As Christ making his appeal through us. Did you get that? He chooses to make his appeal through us. Not to show up in miraculous ways, but he chooses to make his appeal through us, which can be miraculous, by the way, when lives are changed. If you were going as a missionary to Hungary or Zimbabwe or wherever, or Japan, and if you were to go to those people and say, listen, I'm here to tell you about Jesus and how much Jesus loves you, but we got to talk about your food. Boiling goat entrails is not okay. Let me teach you how to barbecue. And by the way, your hairstyles are all messed up. And the clothes you wear are not appropriate in any... So let me reclothe you. Oh, and by the way, Jesus loves you. How would that work? Wouldn't. So why do we do that here? I was meeting with a group of pastors in Zimbabwe a number of years ago. They asked me to come and train them. And they say, how do you do this in America? We actually met, not at a time, but a particular, they didn't have watches. We're going to meet at 9. That weather was not helpful. And we met under this big tree. I met with 11 pastors. How, how, would, you, how would you reach people in, in America? And I said, well, let me tell you. Let me ask you, how are you doing it here? And they showed, shared with me how they were doing it here. I went, I think you just keep doing that. Because I don't want to screw it up. Because they do it in a different way. Well, in the same way, folks, we are in a different world. The box is gone. Now, the truth is not gone, hear me, but how we do what we do is gone. We need to be in tune with the Spirit as the Spirit works in this digital, nano-driven culture. We need to be God's ambassadors in the spheres of influence each of you have that I don't have and your pastor doesn't have. So we need to be in touch with our culture. We need to be in tune with the Spirit as we sense God 
moving us and having a conversation with somebody and just asking them how are they doing and how are they dealing with this COVID world, et cetera, et cetera. And thirdly, we need to be together on mission. Be together on mission. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Each of you in this room, you are a minister. You are a missionary, whether you know it or not. You have a ministry of reconciliation with people around you. But we need to do it together. If we're going to see a movement of God on the, in the Pikes Peak region, I mean in the front range of Colorado, we need to be there where the there is. So my question, will this church be there? If you don't, you will die. 80% of the churches in America are dying or plateaued. Will we be missionaries to an emerging culture, even if we don't like it? Or are you simply going to be a tourist taking in the sights? Much of the debate in the church in America is really ridiculous. It's about sacred cows. It's about preferences. It's about me. It's about selfishness. I want what I want the way it used to be. It's not. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about being an ambassador. It's not about my preferences. It's about being on mission with God. The key to understanding the there that is there, the big difference between my world and this world, is that the point world back in the day was stable. The foundations were firm. We're living in a world that is no longer stable. It's just not. Again, Talk to me about the last 18 months. You were exposed to unstable on steroids. And folks, it's going to continue to be that way. It may not be COVID, but it's going to be something else. Everything is moving. That's why we can't carpe diem. We need to carpe manana. We need to get ahead of the game and seize tomorrow. The only way to hit a moving target is to move with it. Have you seen those um, clay shooters in the Olympics? they just stand there with their gun and go boom no what do they do they track that thing and then they shoot in the same way we have a moving target the there that is there is a carpe manana world will we be there as ambassadors for christ and folks it's not what you say you're going to do it's what you actually do we are guilty of faith drift in our culture where people drift from their faith how many of you remember the movie National Treasure? A couple of you? Good movie. There's a, a scene in it where Paul Gates, the main character, Nicholas Cage, plays him, is talking to his friend, and they're reading from the Declaration of Independence. I love this scene. And he's reading this phrase from the Declaration of Independence. When a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute depotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. Now, we don't write that way anymore, do we? That was 200 years ago. So the young man goes, what does that mean? And Paul Gates says this. It means if there's something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action. You and I have the ability to take action right now. The function of the church is to be God's missionary hands and feet to a world out there that's looking for something tangible to grasp a hold of. And we have that. Why aren't we getting it there? 
The Bible says we're to be ambassadors, all of us in this room. That's the same calling we all have. I want to challenge us today as we leave this place to be missionaries and ambassadors for the kingdom. Now, you may be here this morning. You might say, Bill, that all sounds good, but I don't even know what it means to be a Christ follower. Well, let me tell you. To be a Christ follower, it's pretty simple and straightforward. You simply take a step of faith. When I accepted Christ to be the Lord of my life, I remember sitting in my dorm room at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado, and placing in a basketball that was my God, and I put it on a chair, and I said, God, I'm giving you basketball. I'm giving you my whole life. I don't know what all that means, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you be the Lord of my life. If you're here this morning, you've never taken that step of faith. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't care if your car alarm is going off. I really don't. This is the most important time for you because you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And again, I don't know where you are, but God does. I'm going to ask Greg, you guys come, and we're going to sing together. Uh, I'm going to be here in the front. If, if, If you need Jesus, if you need a personal relationship with Jesus, you can do that today. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about getting baptized. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to change your life. He is crazy in love with you. Like he's crazy in love with you. Again, I don't understand it all. I'm just thankful for you. And he's pursuing you today. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to have a time of prayer and reflection. Greg, you guys play for us. And uh, as they pray, if you want to come, I'm up here at the front. I'll pray with you. Uh, I'll answer any questions you have. As they play, you come.